Speaking of lurking, um, yeah, I was lurking around the idea of recording something this week, uh, and mm-hmm. I did have a session. I did have a recording session. I had two sessions this week over here at the studio. All sorts of people over there. I had all sorts of people over here. We were masked up and we were uh, obeying COVID safety guidelines. Although my uh, my shot, my first vaccine's on Monday. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, um, I had two sessions over here, and I had some great session musicians. I had a great singer, Susie Jones, was over here. And we didn't do anything for a track. So um, did you get that done? Or uh, No, even though, you know, I did get a brand new piece of equipment. Oh, we'll, boy. Yeah, we'll you did. To, we'll touch on that a little later. Oh, I boy. Think. Wow. But hi, everyone. Hi. Dipped in Tone, episode 31. Here we are. Here we are. Already been a day for me. It's uh, 1145. We're getting started an hour later than we typically do just because... It's been a day for me. Um, That's how it goes. Yeah. This is not the mic I typically use. And, um, you know, I th- you know what? I feel like this might be a, a bit. I, I picked this mic because I was so far behind this morning that I literally didn't have time to pull my SM7 out of the other side of the room. This was already just in position, so I just plugged it up. Um, but maybe maybe I just, uh, a new thing here on Dipton Tone is I just use different mics every single week. It'd be incredible if you had enough mics, just every episode to have a different microphone. Well, we'll see what'll happen is we'll get, we'll start getting to the bottom of the barrel and I'll have to use like one of the drum mics, like the Earthworks drum mics on the, uh, with the gooseneck. That could be fun. Oh, I was thinking one of those ones that would come with like a Hewlett Packard computer with like the little V stand and the little gooseneck with the little, have one of those. Right. Right. Hey. Start using reference mics. Start getting some, maybe this will be an excuse for me to buy more microphones. Right. So yeah. hanging, hanging choir mics from the ceiling, yeah. you can have a whole thing. You I'll can, use a oh, 57 man. three weeks in a row, but it'll be a different 57 every week. How about that? Transformalist mod. Right. Uh, a beta. There's so many options. So many <laughs> options. So little time. Dipped in tone, episode 31. What's up, everyone? Thanks for uh, for joining us. It's going to be a good day. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm claiming it today. I'm claiming it right now. The, the day started off on a weird foot, just... You start off with a stumble, and I'm gonna I'm gonna grab it by the scruff of the neck, and I'm gonna say, you know what? No, today's gonna be a good day. I hope so. Uh, Nashville and surrounding areas have a lot of severe weather warnings. Mm. Uh, so since since the last year when yep. the tornado hit, like everybody, the moment anything bad like is announced, the city goes into a panic, which is understandable. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, it it's it's been it's been crazy. Like over the past couple of days, there's been hail, and then it's like crazy rain and wind, and it's just it's been a it's it's been a thing. So. Yeah, yeah. For those of you guys that don't know, about a year ago, a little over, maybe yeah, a year ago, like what two weeks or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like the the beginning of March, like the first week in March. Yeah, Nashville got pummeled by a tornado specifically yeah. east nashville specifically the part of east nashville that i stay in like my my place in east nashville was like maybe a quarter mile up the road from where the nat where the tornado like went through took out a, a really popular venue there the basement east um mm-hmm. it it did some damage man yeah yeah and uh I, I was in the uk at the time and i had i mean of course you know i had no idea um and i got on instagram like the day it happened or the, or I woke up, you know, the next day cause of the time changed and had like a hundred messages, people asking if I was okay. And I mean, obviously we were fine and we don't live in that part of town, but yeah, I, ha- I had a lot of friends and people in that area that really 
took a beating, but, um, but yeah, yeah, rough thing. People think, you know, for tornadoes, I know tornadoes aren't as much of a thing overseas and, and in different parts of the country out West, like Tilly grew up in California and they never thought about tornadoes. Right. And right. I've learned through her that West coast people look at people in the Midwest and the East of like, how do you guys are, you have to have tornadoes all the time. That's so scary. It's kind of like how we look at them out there and be like, Oh my God, there's earthquakes all the time. Oh my God. <laughs> right. But you know, there's a thing here in the States called Tornado Alley, which is like the Midwest. So you think like North Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, parts of Illinois, where, you know, these big monster tornadoes happen every year. But here's the deal, guys. Like the Southeast, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, we get as many tornadoes as Kansas does every year. But people don't don't talk about it. And here yeah. it's a little more dangerous in some cases because you can't see it. Every everywhere I've grown up with tornadoes my whole life. I've I've had tornadoes go within a mile or two of my home before and had no idea because we have trees. We have big pine trees everywhere. And so you just right. can't see it until it's right on top of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's pretty crazy. And uh, my my enclosure guy, Jacob uh, F5 Metalworks, he, he lives in Oklahoma and Ooh, F5. Like, that's a <laughs> refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> um, he. Uh, every now and again, will send me pictures of just weather because he has some really nice cameras and takes photos of like storms and stuff. Right. And I'm like, you need to move. <laughs> <laughs> Come here or something. It's not that bad. Man, when we were at, in Kansas City a couple weeks ago, we were at um, Josh's house and uh, he, we we hung out there for a little while. And while we were there in Kansas City, there was like a storm system moving through with tornadoes. And so like the sirens in their neighborhood started going off and the whole thing. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this is my real like Kansas experience right here. We're really getting it. And they were not phased at all. Right. Cause Josh grew up in North Alabama. They have them there too. Right. And they literally have apparently the previous owner of their home built like a, a storm shelter or something in the house. So they are like, okay, we'll just go downstairs and right. <laughs> ride yeah. it out. It, it's definitely a sound when you when you first hear a tornado siren, you're like, uh, what's that? It's <laughs> you know? eerie, man. Yeah. It's an eerie sound. Like it's it's one of two. If you've ever played Fallout, like it gives me Fallout <laughs> right. air raid siren kind of chills, you know? Right, right. Anyways, so, this is not a tornado podcast. This is a guitar <laughs> podcast. So uh, what, what was uh, your guitar week? You had a big guitar week this week, right? I did. Well, was it this week or last week? I can't remember. Um, it was this week. Is it was it this week? So I received. I don't know if you can. Oh yeah, you can kind of see it. You can kind of you can see the the knob. So I Wait. received a two rock Bloomfield uh, drive combo. So I wow. opted for the the forty twenty, right? Switchable because I like I as far That's as plenty that is yeah plenty. oh yeah it's super loud and yeah. and like I like headroom but but forty watts is enough headroom for me. Plenty. Yep. But every time I've plugged into this thing. It, it and I haven't had many times to really dive into it and spend a lot of time with it yet. But um, there's been a few times where I've got to per- turn it up a little bit. Uh, when I first got it, no one was home and it was it was perfect. But man, it, it's it it's it's the one of the best sounding amps I've ever heard in my entire life. I've never seen you more excited. Yeah. In in our like what three or four years of friendship, I've never <laughs> right. seen Zach more animated than when because we on Marco Polo he he marked me when he picked it up. And then about 30 minutes later, I got another one. He's like, <laughs> oh, my God, dude, this is like the best thing I've ever played. Oh, my God. And then about an hour later, I got another one where you came down a little bit. You're like, all right, it's great. It's <laughs> right. really, really great. <laughs> the The only thing that 
that, that and, and I think any amp of of um, this wattage and um, design is is going to have a problem with is is if you try to push the gain and keep the master down. Yeah, you just don't. It, mm. it gets a little crispy. Yeah, but 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 the cleans on it is it, they're just crazy good. And I tried it with a pedal board uh, last night, and it, it takes pedals so well. So that should be an episode we should we should talk about because I've had some questions recently from people saying like, what does it mean to say something takes pedals well? Right. And that's an interesting question that I've never it's like I know what I mean when I say it, but I don't I don't know exactly what it means. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that I, I don't like the the label of a pedal platform amp mm. because I feel like that's that's so boring. Like, why would you buy anything to just use pedals with it? I mean, well, I know people do that. That's what the the Pearl is, the Port City Pearl. I mean, that's that's what he does. Daniel designed it to do, which is be a clean, right, flat, like almost. It's ba- it's almost like a tube driven power amp, essentially. Right, but I feel like to really connect with an amplifier, it has to stand alone. Like, mm. like I, I, it, everything in my opinion, you should be able to use it by itself and get the job done in some manner right um but but this thing just it has a lot of features and it's similar to the what what's the the wonderland the wonderland amplified nation but but man it's um it's special we should shoot those out sometime that'd be cool because they the the layout layouts are very similar now mine is uh the wonderland is two six v6s or two six l6s now can you swap the power tubes out in that uh, I Just re-bias? think so. Uh, I mean, I, I'd have to ask Eli, but it, it's got four 6v6s with a half power switch. Um, yeah, you should be. I mean, I don't see why you couldn't put six L6s in there and re-bias. It might have bias points on the back. I can't, I honestly don't remember. Because uh, that, that so is excited. one feature of the, um, of both. So I have two amp nations, um, the Amplifonics and Gain and the Wonderland. Um, they're both given to me, so fair warning there but they they do have the bias points on the back and you can put six l's or six v6s in my the wonderland has six v6s just a pair of them so it's 22 watts and then half power would be one what 12 watts something like that 10 watts yeah 13 something, yeah. i don't know um and yeah i i like it it doesn't have as much clean headroom as like you would get from a six l6 but it it breaks up a little nicer so we should shoot those amps out i think yeah, one day, definitely. Um, I, I want to get, it's one of those things, it's like, this is making me r- rethink all of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Every, dude, you say that every week, though. <laughs> well, I do, but 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 this is more of a like significant change, because I do have a, a I mean, I don't have many amps, but the, the amps I have, like, I tend, I tend to only use one amp. Right. Like, I can get by with the, the one amp that makes me the, the happiest. And so this thing makes me want to sell all my other stuff. I don't know if I will. Uh, I'll definitely keep my deluxe for taking to the new shop when I get that and stuff. But, but the Silver Sonic, while it does sound really good, I feel like this because it has all the tone switches and you can bypass the tone stacks, so it makes it a little more tweety sound. Yeah. It kind of does everything except you, for the harmonic. No, I get it. I get it. You're you're kind of like overlapping there a little bit, right? Yeah. yeah. Which I'm I'm. So it's interesting. I have a different approach. I I like accumulating stuff. Sure. Um, but I use basically everything, um, like, and and I don't have a lot of stuff that crosses over. Like I have, for instance, three amps that sort of do the AC thirty thing. 
One of them right. is an AC30, so it obviously <laughs> a does real the thing. real deal one. <laughs> yeah, drink. Um, then I have the orange, the AD30, but it does a different. It can be AC30 esque. Actually, I have four amps that'll do this sort of thing, but it has way more gain than an AC30. Then I have the Morgan AC20, which really I think is the most redundant one. I could probably sell the Morgan because right. I, I have the RSA23, which will do the AC30 and the high watt and the Marshall thing. Um, so yeah, I mean it's there's kind of some overlap there, but they all do something different. I don't know. Yeah, I, and I'm, you know, I used to be like that because there were times where I had like three or four less poles and like you know just a lot of redundancy. Um, but as since I'm not gigging and, yeah. and I'm just playing for my my own satisfaction and edification and stuff, like I don't find I'd rather have stuff that's a little different from each other. Um, and I think our motivations are different too. Yeah. This is something I've been working on sort of behind the scenes and I haven't talked about much recently, but but I have I have an end goal in mind when it comes to gear, uh, especially the gear that I'm buying recently. Like I'm I'm trying to build a studio, like a proper studio because everything that I want to do around, you know, if I look at my career aspirations over the next five to 10 years, a full featured, fully built recording studio is at the center of all of that. Sure. And so for me, the amps and the mics and the, the guitars and things like that are not just to have them. It's not like a flex thing. It's I'm, I'm trying to accumulate the stuff to have for a studio one day, hopefully very, very soon. Right. Yeah. My, I, I definitely get the stuff because I mean, I usually just because I want it, <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's, it's totally fine. That's which yeah. is, that, I mean, it's pretty superficial, but I mean, that's, that's really the, you know, long and short of it. Like I want that. So I'm going to buy that. So. Yeah. It's like, I don't have this mic just to occasionally use on a podcast. <laughs> right. I mean, like that would be incredibly stupid if, if I, if all I was doing was YouTube videos and, um, podcasts, I would, sell this mic and buy another camera but mm -hmm, this right. is you know th there's there's other um other aspirations here with stuff like this so sure so how we know you recorded or or had some sessions how was your week i actually had a really great week so um i made a video this week called 10 guitar solos that changed my life and right. it's, it it's was, awesome thank you it was a type of video that i've been wanting to do for a while a new type of video that i've been wanting to try which is like hey Speaking of recording studio, like I have a studio, I have the gear, I know the people, I know some incredible session musicians here in Atlanta. So why, if I'm going to make a video on something, why, why should I just sit and program the drums and stuff at home or my, at my computer when I could hire these guys to come down and actually play the stuff? Sure. So this is kind of leading into A, our subject, our topic for today, but B, where I want to start going, I think more with my channel this year and the next couple of years, which is like, you know, I've been kicking around this video idea about highlighting certain guitar players where you would actually. So the first episode I think I want to do is on John Schofield. Like okay. John Schofield is a lazy guitar genius. That's a, that's a very much a working title right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you listen to, if anyone hasn't uh, listened to the Agogo record, John Schofield's record from 90, Eight chat can correct me. Oh, by the way, shout out to Patreon chat. We didn't shout, oh, yeah. shout them out. Um, yeah, everyone hanging out in the in the Discord chat this morning, watching us live while we record. If you want to join in live while we're recording, check out the Patreon link down below. It's growing, community's growing. You guys are awesome. Um, and chat can help me out. What year did the Agogo record? 
from John Schofield come out. I think it was 98. Anyways, if you haven't heard that record, you should. It slaps. Um, <laughs> his playing on it is so laid back and just lazy, but it's not sloppy and it's incredibly hard to to pull off. So the the video idea would basically be like, hey, let's let's take a deep dive into Schofield's playing here and let's talk about how he's doing what he's doing. And then let's get somebody in to talk about his gear. Like, how is he getting the sounds? Because right. his tone on that record is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then actually have a band in the room where we're like, oh, 97. Awesome. January 97. Man, um, there's there's yeah. so much music I, I need to like get into and, and try to digest. It's just, man, there's, there's just so much music. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so know? it's like a musical, it's like a musical anthropology kind of thing like okay you're you're diving into a player or a band or a style or a sound it's, it's kind of what i was doing with or i am doing with the what is the sound series like yeah um hey what is the high watt sound well to really understand the high watt sound you need to understand dave reeves and like what he was doing and how he started right like it literally started with him you know he was teching at this local venue and this band's amp the the highlights band their amp blew up and he's like well hell i could probably i could do something better than that and then we from that is birth high watt (laughs) when i was watching that video uh it reminded me of my time at carter drink drink um we had some sound city amps that you know came through they're pretty common you know you see them like originals yeah yeah and uh one of the one of the guys uh that was working there for a time mike he he would always like he was he's really funny and he would say things in a like just in a lisp just to be funny or like with some really weird accent or something and and he he would always call him Shan Shitty. Shan Shitty. <laughs> and, and so forever, whenever I hear someone say Sound City, I think, oh it's a Shan like, Shitty amp. Sound Shitty. <laughs> Sound Shitty amp. It could be the uh what the shitty walk from South Park. Yeah. yeah. Shitty beef. <laughs> shitty yeah. chicken. Sound that, shitty. That's it, absolutely. Yeah, if you don't know those those early Sound City amps, um, were so Sound City was a store that was owned by Ivor Arbiter, yeah, and um, he commissioned Dave Reeves to essentially they are early high watts is what they are, just rebranded as Sound City amps, and they're cool. Rick has one, and it yeah. it rips, man. It's the, cool. The, the early ones are great. The later ones, not so much. Yeah, not so much. And is somebody re- is there's somebody making them now, right? You can is there somebody I, I rebuilding so. them? Um. I will say though, so the modern high watts, because high watts are still being made, um, you know, and again, I have a relationship with them. They've given me an amp, so again, fair warning. But Ooh. Um, man, the, someone's making Sound City now, and they look, they look nice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the high watt stuff, and I guess that Sound City stuff are very, very nice amps. Like I think they are, they're a good example of a modern recreation that does justice to the original. That's one that right. I would say, like, I would probably buy the new one. If if you're not a collector and you're not, like, you want the amp to play and you're looking at a high watt, I'd buy the, I'd buy a new one every day. Like one of their custom shop made in England ones. I think they're like the tube series, like this custom 20 or that, that 50, um, the, the 503 that I had for the video, like that amp sounds amazing. Yeah. So that's what if, I would if, get. If you can turn them up. <laughs> if you can turn them up. I really want yeah. the 100 watt though. I want the 103 really bad. Get you on, baby. So yeah, Stu- that was my Studio week. fund. Oh, and then the second session I had, there's a, a local artist here in Atlanta named Susie Jones. 
who's amazing. She's a singer songwriter. You guys should go look her up. Actually, Susie Jones. She put out her uh, her, her latest record went out last year, and we did. Um, she got booked to do this like live stream gig thing that I think Wolfpack is putting on, or somehow Wolfpack is involved in it. I don't know how, but neat. We recorded it here, and uh, yeah, neat, neat, neat. Well, you want to you want to dip a rig? Let's dip a rig. Well, I hope that he's in the chat because I was looking through these and thought, oh, this one would be fun because it's very different. So here we go in the chat. Boom. Oh, baby. <laughs> it's straightforward. Hey, and there it is. Oh, the Rick base. I have a cool story about a Rick base just like that. But So this is Frank Merlin Box rig. He's got a 74 Rickenbacker. Uh, yeah, 4001. he does. Oh, uh, I said he found it in Pod Shop in 1986, which yeah, is you like did. so cool. Uh, a PV TKO 115S. Hey, baby. Listen, <laughs> let me, let uh, me tell you on, something. Now, hold on. Hold on. Man. Okay. Now, look, it's got sliders on it. You're goddamn got right it does. Buttons. Look at all them jacks mm. on the front. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven jacks right let on me, the front. Let me tell you something right here. <laughs> Nobody makes a better slider than PV. That's right. If PV right. made a car, I'd drive it. Hell yeah. If PV made a boat, yeah. I'd buy it. <laughs> I'd 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 float down in the Gulf of I'd Mexico and float it. Get on to Mississippi and drive up there to Hartley PV and shake his hey, hand and say, like, Why'd you run this company to the ground? Sounds like a country song. That's right. If PV made a boat, I'd buy it. Oh God. That really does sound like a Go country song. Go down to Gulf of Mexico f- flying. <laughs> <laughs> Toes in the sand. Uh, <laughs> Beer in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> we need to, we need to right, call, yeah, call some people. What? <laughs> you're giving I, all the, you're giving this hit away. Holy I, smokes! <laughs> uh, he's also got a uh, uh, <clears throat> Moor baby tune. Just a little mini tuner. K-line uh, bass compressor. A Moore pure boost. And he also has a guitar in this rig, a 2020 Epiphone Standard Les Paul Ice T Burst. Uh, so he fell in love when he put his hands on it and he started out as a guitar player. And he is I play bass in the chat. So yeah. He, uh, Dude, okay. Hold on. So I'm, buddy. I'm, I'm writing down this this song idea real quick. <laughs> okay, yeah. Wait, if pause. PV made a boat, PV made a boat, I'd buy it. I mean, that's that's a damn country song right there. Because I feel like PV is a well well known enough brand, especially like that's a honky tonk song. Because how many honky tonks have you been to, Zach, where you've seen like the oh. the, the front of house system is just Everything. like a, a couple of PV stacks? You know what I mean? Just on yep. the corners of the stage. Uh huh. Uh huh. Hey, yeah, they've, PV made a boat. I'd buy it. They've got a, a one PV monitor that <laughs> has like a and they're all twenty two inch speaker in it. They're all wrapped in carpet from like nineteen eighty two. It is reek of beer and cigarette smoke. Have we talked about the, uh, and we'll get to the rig in a second, but have I ever shared the story of um, uh, Dwight Yoakam's monitor rig and his acoustic rig on this this channel? Yes, you did. Okay. You did. All right, we'll yeah. move on. I think that. I found a picture of it. I can't remember. I have but... a picture, but we'll, we'll talk. Anyway, back to yeah. the rig. All right. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about this Rickenbacker bass here. This is... One of the most undersung basses, I think, of all time. They're the coolest basses. So I mean. <laughs> the story I have is, um, it's not mine, but so 
the the band that I've played with forever, really close friends of mine, Noah Guthrie and Good Trouble. So Noah and his brother Ian, who's the drummer in the band, um, their dad, David Guthrie, is the tour manager. So he's the one that's that drives us all over the damn place, and he's awesome. David is the man. And David, back in the 70s, played in bands and and did the whole thing and, and toured all over the place. And, and his band was called Canyon, which I think is a great name. From a band, a band from Cullman, Alabama, going to like Myrtle Beach and, you know, <laughs> Fort Walton Beach and just playing all over the Southeast. And uh, David played bass and he had this bass, except it was black when it was when he owned it. And at some point in the 80s, um, I think he got married and the bass got sold off and it just it never, you know, it just it happens. Things get sold off. Right. About six years ago, Noah and Ian found it. They huh. tracked it down. It was in like, I think it was in Florida or something. And it was a natural finish. Someone had stripped it. It had like been in a flood. It, the, the, the base had been just beat to hell. But they found it, confirmed that it was his, bought it back, had it like rebuilt, and then gave it back to David as a Father's Day gift in like 2014 or 2015. Oh, man. And now it lives at Noah's studio. Um, but yeah, so every time I see a Rick bass like that, it, it brings back that uh, that story. I always thought it's it's one of the coolest looking basses, period. It's so cool. And it sounds great, man. Yeah, they're, they're I mean, Rick and Bockers are backers, Bockers? Bocker. Uh, is, is it? Don't say Rick and Backer. Well, hold on. No. No, no, don't hold on. Nobody says Rick and Backer. I feel like there is a correct pronunciation because it no. is B-A-C-K-E-R. And I, I, I feel like there is one way... To say this, hold on, hold Zach, on, because I swear to God, oh, Google says it. I can't hear Google. Uh, neither can I. Dang it! Allow microphone permission. Yeah, sure. Hold on. <laughs> it's Rick and Bacher. Maybe it is. Well, Google <laughs> says Rick and Bacher. Well, Google's that? wrong. Okay, I bet Google <sighs> says GIF too instead of GIF. Okay, so listen, I don't trust Google. Well, okay. At any rate, probably, probably uh, Bill Gates, man, with all them microchips <laughs> running around there. Uh, there. It's such a unique looking instrument, and and I've always wanted one myself, even though I'm I'm not a great bass player. But one thing about this rig, and I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I was talking about this movie to my wife earlier today because it's one of our favorites. Have you ever seen? Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes, I love. I saw that movie in theaters, dude. It oh, was so too. great. One of my favorite things, and this is not a dig. I think the PVTKO it, for a bass amp is something loud, punchy. Like PV makes, hey man, arguably hey. better bass amps than guitar amps. You're damn right, um, hey brother. But in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, Scott plays. I think like a a, a fire like glow, fire glow. Yeah, yeah, that same bass through. In the beginning of the movie, all their amps are PV, and instead of PV, it says Lame Brand in the <laughs> PV font. And I, by the end of the movie, they're playing Marshalls, and it says Sweet Brand in the Marshall font. But I, the, the Rick with the PV is like, oh, it's Scott Pilgrim all day long. <laughs> dude, that's a great movie. If, it's fantastic. If anybody hasn't seen Scott Pilgrim, you should go see it. It's fun. It's self-aware. It's an original story. It's, it's just a great... It's, it's great. One of the best comic book movies. Yeah, a hundred percent. That is a comic book movie. Okay, gotcha. That's what we should be doing with comic <laughs> book movies. I don't need to see another Iron Man. Okay, 
Watchmen is a great comic book movie. Yeah. I swear to God. I'm going to sign off this podcast and never come back. Fine. Fine. Go ahead. Hey, can you hand me your mug? Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Got it. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We switched mugs. Whoa. Wow. Is this whiskey? Yeah. Okay. But, um, but anyway, so you want to talk about these pedals? Let's get into this. this (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Yeah. We're still. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, we skipped over the, the Epiphone, Les Paul. Oh, yeah. So he's got like a, a 2020 Epi standard Les Paul with a new headstock shape. Great. Those those are great guitars. Yeah. You know, I, I think if you're going to, if you want a Les Paul and you don't want to pony up the money for, you know, a Gibson, it's a great option. And, and everything the Epiphone is doing now, I think like as much as Gibson's taking their, their, uh, the the builds of their guitars and, and leveling them up, so to speak. I think Epiphone has done that to an, an even better degree because I think the pickups are, are better, the electronics are better, and and I don't know. It's like it's it's pretty sweet. I so, really want a casino. Like a, yeah. a a casino. Just a straight up Epiphone casino. And they're yeah, building but, them in and there there's a version now you can get that's made in Nashville. Or they're I don't know if yeah. they're doing them yet, but they will be doing them. Right. Yeah. They're they're doing an American made uh, casino, which are, which are cool. And, and, you know, if you can find one of the old elites, uh, the Japanese ones, those are great too. But yeah, even like the Chinese ones, I've played a few Chinese, uh, Epiphones and especially the Korean ones too, that are not bad. There's okay. Pickups in it. Chat. I have another task for you. Somebody find a picture of the Dwight trash Epiphone casino. <laughs> it's the coolest casino that's ever been made and they're really hard to find and they're really expensive when you do find them, but it's Dwight Yoakam's signature casino i'm sure i've talked about it on the podcast you have. but god they're sick we need to drop a picture in it's so cool somebody find one and post it in the chat but all right cool um so pedals what do we got so we have uh moore baby tune k-line bass compressor and uh more pu- pu- pure boost so pretty pretty straight ahead man straight ahead on, i like on it pedal train nano you know for Um, a bass rig primarily what this is is a bass rig i think that's all you need i like the compressor you know mm -hmm. as a non-bass playing uh, as a bass player that's not a bass player right that makes any (laughs) sense i i like using a compressor on my bass just because it it covers up my uh my life there it is beto in the chat dude look at this thing pretty cool it's like a falcon, a white falcon, and a casino, and a firebird had a baby. It's like a Trini Lopez and a casino. It's so sick. And a white falcon. <laughs> it's so sick. <sighs> okay, anyways. Um, yeah, it's straight ahead. The the rig we're talking about now, turning pitch. Back to the rig. Straight ahead, to the point, meat and potatoes. This is a very gigable rig right here. Instantly gigable. Instantly gigable. And for that, I, I give it, I've got all the respect in the world. Um, anything I would change? I would add an overdrive onto that board. And I'd add an overdrive that works well with bass and guitar going into that PV. Sure. Uh, maybe maybe a two-stage overdrive. Um, something that's got a boost or or just two different gain stages, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing that I think, it just get a guitar amp. Just get like, you know, a katana or something that could cover a lot of ground with your guitar. You have your bass amp that does the bass thing. You don't have to twiddle, you know, change any knobs or change any settings. It's just like 
bass amp, bass rig, done, guitar amp, get that, and then you're ready to go. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just me. Yeah. But I mean, look, this is to me, this is a, uh, this is a bar gig rig right here. And I love oh, yeah. that. I miss playing bar gigs, man. I want to, I want to get back into doing that. I'd like to do one a month, just like one a month, just a straight ahead. Let's go. You show up at 1130, you play till three or four. Oh, man, I, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I like it when you don't have to bring a PA. Uh, oh, well, most, yeah. Yeah. most of the time I always, we had, we had to bring our own PA and, and, you know, and, and I went like full ham and got like, <laughs> like a couple crown power amps and like, yeah, of course, all these nice, like you're playing to a bunch mains. of drunk frat boys that don't. They don't even care. They can, they're not even listening. Yeah. So, but I, I can't. I can't half-ass anything. So. My my bar band experience. My and it was down in Buckhead. All the Buckhead bars in Atlanta back in the day was. Uh, it was. The, I think the perfect bar gig experience. It was so low pressure. We never even rehearsed. There was no set list. We would just show up, and the singer would call the tunes, and you would just turn your amp up. I'm pretty sure the hearing damage that I have is from those gigs because you would just uh-huh. turn your amp up. And you would just play whatever the hell you wanted to play. And people had a good time. They were dancing. They were jiving. I would solo for an entire song and it was fine. Right. It was just a good time. Yeah. We, I, I played a bunch in Cookville, Tennessee at a bar and no one cared. No one cared. No one it, cared. But it's, it's fun. It's not like they're ignoring you. Like they're enjoying it. I couldn't tell if anyone was oh. enjoying it except well, for like, you know, if if one of our parents happened to come to the gig is like, you know, one of those sort of situations. Yeah, that my, my experience was that like nobody cared in a good way. Like, oh, OK, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. As long as you played some some hits from the 90s and the early 2000s, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. And people were having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sugar Tooth in the chat says, how many Patreon supporters do we need to open up a Shoyles bar? Shoyles bar and grill. I could think of nothing worse for you and I to do, to do together than open a bar. It'd take a lot of Patreon supporters to make that happen. I think at two dollars, and we would drive that into the ground, both right? Because we would have no cheap beer or liquor, and it would be way too expensive. We'd make no money. Wait, let's not do that. Ten thousand, ten thousand Patreon supporters. Oh God, no! At least <laughs> I'm, I'm in like thirty or forty thousand territory. <laughs> Oh man. All right, cool. Um, all right. I'm gonna give this rig. Let me scroll back up to the picture here. Props for the Rick base, man. Come on. Love it. That's the best part. That's the best part. This this is giving me I'm gonna give this nine point three shoils. Oh dang, you're going. Yeah, up. I the, the the Rick base is is hitting me in a special place. I like it. I w- I wanna give it eight point three five. Nice. Ding ding. Ding ding ding. Solid, solid rig. Way to go, I play bass. And uh, for those of you who are keeping score at home, I play bass is has our our running score sheet. Um, they're keeping up with it, and so uh, can we get that posted in the chat? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like any time, like people always want us to put stuff in um, the 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 description, <laughs> right, of the video. Um, but anytime you guys, if you want to timestamp something or anything, put it in the comments, and we'll pin it uh, on yeah. YouTube. Or because what we can do is actually timestamp in the uh, the description, and we'll do it'll do chapters, right? But but then we have to put the we have to like do oh, it. and that's more work. <laughs> See, yeah, okay. yeah, you guys, buck. you guys do that. Wow, Mark Belgium coming in clutch with that quick uh, quick meme right there. Wow, 
Memes on deck. Memes right. on memes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're missing. If you're not if you're not a Patreon supporter, you're missing all the fun stuff here. There it is. You really are. The dipped in tone score sheet. The Google Doc. We'll uh, okay. we'll, we'll have that posted because that is a, a Google Doc that anybody can see. So sure. So nice. on to today's topic. Let's do it. So we're gonna we've pulled the curtain back on me as a pedal builder, and now yep. we're gonna pull the curtain back on Rhett. Dun dun dun. And talk yep. about YouTubers. I could do one of those videos that inevitably every YouTuber ever ends up making. Like, how much money do I make on YouTube? Oh <laughs> right. my god! Show a chart. That's Photoshop. There's no way. You won't believe how much I made. So. We should start with that, I think, maybe. How, How much money I make? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to post your tax returns. Um, no, like how YouTubers make money, because I think there's this big misconception yeah. that you start a YouTube channel, you set up Google AdSense, and then you, you, you make a viral video, and suddenly your room turns into Scrooge McDuck's vault. <laughs> and you're you know, just it's diving like, into money. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't happen like that. Well, so. before we even start there, let's let's go back to the very beginning. Okay. Which is to say, um, if you think starting a YouTube channel is a good idea as a way to make money, you're wrong. Right. It's terrible. As a business decision, the amount of time that you have to invest on the front end before you ever see a cent in AdSense revenue um, is... It's astronomical. The reality is you have to want to do this thing. You have to want to make videos. You have to want to sink thousands of hours into coming up with ideas and editing and making stuff and for the love of making it. And right. if you don't do that, if you don't have that thing, don't even start. And I mean that seriously. Like, don't even start. It's it's so much work. It is so difficult. Um there's so many elements and layers to doing this thing. It, it's really, really tough. And I think as YouTube has grown, I started my YouTube channel seriously a little, little over three years ago. January of 2018 is when I started on YouTube. And um, I did it because I wanted to make videos. I, I loved YouTube as a platform. I still love YouTube as a platform. And I loved making things. I loved coming up with an idea shooting i loved editing if you don't like editing videos oh yeah do not start a youtube channel <laughs> like i'm serious <laughs> yeah. if you don't love the the process of editing don't do it um but i loved all that stuff and i still do um it's changed a little bit but yeah you you're going to put at least 12 to 18 months of full time work into this thing before you ever start to see any kind of financial uh payback from it so right with that said um how do youtubers make money how do you think they make money well you you know a little bit right um, and the well, other thing we should do too with this subject for the chat we're, we are going to do this as a bit of a q a so if anybody in the chat has like some questions uh for me or zach on this subject like throw them in, in the chat and we'll uh we'll get them thrown in so well i don't know anything <laughs> Yeah, you but, do. Well, I mean, I think there is a, like I said, a misconception that you're you're earning all your revenue from uh, from ads, and unless you are at the level of like 
Pootie Pie or whatever, like the huge, I mean, I don't even know if he's still a thing anymore, but like, the, oh, he's like, definitely still a thing. Yeah. The, like those, those people who have an unfathomable amount of followers and views right. every month right? for every video, you're, you're not, you're not making that sort of living just from ads. I mean, you can make a fantastic living, sure, but it, it's it's a long, hard road. Well, you kind of well, I mean, fantastic. You can make you can you can you can pay you could pay the bills potentially. Yeah, not really. I mean, no. well, here's the well, deal. See? There, there see, I don't are, know anything. <laughs> there are definitely channels out there that rely solely on things like AdSense revenue for their income. And and for those that don't know, AdSense is Google money, right? So right. when you watch a video, there's usually ads on the video or there's mid-roll ads and things like that. And Google is sharing that ad revenue with the content creator. Um, right. So someone is paying Google to show their ad. And if that ad winds up on your thing and someone watches it for X amount of time or clicks on it, yeah. you get a fraction of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's, I can't remember the exact split, but I think it's but about it's 50, a, 50. It's not like a, it's not like you're getting like two cents on the dollars. Oh. Is Google talking to you now? Yeah. It heard me. Oh God. It's always listening. Always listening. Always listening. So, um, yeah, AdSense is part of it, but here's the deal. Right around mid 2019, so about a year and a half of doing YouTube, because when I started YouTube, it wasn't like a full time thing for me. It was while I was still playing and touring and doing other stuff. And around mid 2019, I had crossed over, I was coming up on 100,000 subscribers. And that's when I decided to make the transition of like, okay, I'm still going to gig, I'm still going to tour and do this stuff. But I'm going to make the transition of I'm going to reprioritize and I'm going to make my YouTube channel my number one thing that I focus on because at that point it had started to make enough money and I was earning enough income from the channel that I could do that. I could say, okay, now I'm going to start to focus on this thing primarily. Um, And that meant that I was only really taking the gigs that I wanted to play. I was, you know, not taking church gigs and things like that anymore, which is amazing. I wanted to get out of that world for a really long time and it allowed me to do that. In terms of AdSense though, and revenue, the way that you earn a living is using your platform to drive people to other stuff. So for me, it's things like Helix presets, camper profiles, and video courses. Video courses are the big, big thing. Um, so yeah, that's really a, a better way of monetizing your channel is put out good quality content for free that people can learn from and be entertained by and get something from and then take those people that are interested and drive them to something like a video course or a product or things like that. Right. And for someone that was would want to get into this world, because I'm sure there's still people that, I mean, I mean you know, it's just like, you know, pedals, guitar brands, whatever, like there's room for more people because mm-hmm. people age out, people, you know, go away. Like, what would you tell someone who's wanting to get in this world? Like, where should their focus start? Make, make good content. And how, like, I think the biggest thing, and, and this is something that I've struggled with because I want to dive more into YouTube and hopefully getting employees and doing that, it's actually going to lend me some more time to, to chase the the dreams that I have in, in that aspect. <laughs> I feel like the, the the finding your thing is the hardest part. Yeah. 
like yeah it can be it can be but here's here's the thing to have a successful and it's not just a youtube channel if you want to be successful as an artist or a writer or have a successful business whatever it is that you're doing it has to be good right like you have to be good make good content make good videos and that doesn't mean that you have to have the most polished production value i think realistically production value doesn't matter on youtube right it really doesn't I've, I've seen hugely successful channels and, and videos that are shot with people's smartphones. Like it doesn't matter. Um, Rick Beato has 2 million subscribers and still doesn't know how to work his cameras. Like legitimately, <laughs> if a setting changes on any of his cameras, he calls me. Oh, it got darker. Why is it darker? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You don't have right. to be a, a, a camera wizard or lighting director or any of that kind of stuff. You have to make good content that people want to watch. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's you have to make good pedals. If you want to have a successful pedal business, you have to make good pedals. Right. It's just that simple. Now, in terms of finding your thing, I think that's the most fun part, mm-hmm. right? Um, inevitably, unless you're directly trying to rip somebody's content off, you're inevitably going to have your own thing. Even if, if, if Paul Davids and I made a video on the exact same topic, in fact, he did recently. He made a video that I made a year ago. I uh-huh. made a video, Five Things I Wish I Knew as a Beginner Guitar Player. It's my biggest video, three point something million views. And he made that exact video, except his was 10 Things I Wish I Knew as a Beginner Guitar Player. Right. My video and his video, even though they're the same title, the same thumbnail, the same topic, they're different videos. Because right. I made it and Paul made it. And we're just different people. We have different voices. We have different experiences, different perspectives. So when it comes to finding your own thing, I think the best way to do that is just start making stuff. Just try stuff because you're not, even if you tried to rip off one of my videos or, or to do something that I've done best amps for home use, somebody out there, go make that video. I am serious. Go make it. You're not going to rip me off because you, you're not going to make the same video that I did. Right, unless they do that intentionally. Unless they unless you do it intentionally, yeah. which is not cool. And and if you do that, you're not going to be successful on YouTube no. because people are going to see it and not watch it. But right. Um, so that kind of leads into the the other thing we had talked about before we started. And 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 this, I think, this is a topic that that covers you know what I do, what you do, anybody who is essentially self employed and having to, you know, just punch their way through life trying to you know tackle every problem as it comes at them and stuff but the stress the stress jesus <laughs> the stress of constant creation of 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 the constant work um it, it's a thing and i think youtubers because you're you're not only are you having to do your own thing you're having to pay attention to everything else too mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it you're it, it's a game yeah you know and that's a that's a real thing there's a for and it's a real thing so to get to get real for a second, I have a lot of like real anxiety and at times experience like some some real depression around that constant like, okay, okay I put up, so I put up a video on what, Thursday? That video mm-hmm. took three days to make and I, I put it up and I felt really good about putting it up. It's now Saturday and it's like, okay, I got to back to it. What's right. my next video? What's my next idea? That can be exhausting. It right. can be exhausting. Um, I'll be honest. The, my channel, since the beginning of this year, my numbers are way down. 
my views are way down, subscribers are way down, my AdSense revenues down because I had a string of bad videos that didn't perform well. And YouTube, the algorithm on some level has been shelving my channel. That right. really sucks. When you well, see those numbers and you see that that graph kind of ticking down and you're still putting in the same or even more hours of work and trying harder and harder to come up with ideas and it's still just not working, that really sucks. It's like a gut punch. Well, that doesn't mean you made a bad video. It just means- No, like, it just means that you it just didn't connect with people. It means the idea right. didn't work for the YouTube platform. Right. right. But But that's something that you've experienced in the past where you did something and then later- it comes back around. It can. I mean, and, and and I feel like, you know, for me too, that's happened. You know, I'll release a pedal. It it just fizzles and doesn't do anything. And then I say, screw it. I'm not going to make anymore. And then I stop making them. And then like six months later, I get emails every day about it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, what? where were you six months ago? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, the, there is... There is a struggle with this stuff. And like anything, man, like this is not unique to YouTubers or whatever. There's always anxieties. There's always, yeah. no matter what your gig is, there's always like tough parts of it. There's good parts of it and bad parts of it. The bad parts of it for me is that that constant need to try and come up with content. The thing with that is the lesson I've learned is to not put something out for the sake of putting something out. And right. I have to, I have to relearn that lesson from time to time. Like, especially if my views are my, my analytics are not doing as much as, as well as I want them to, or I start looking around to other channels like, Oh man, Mary Spender had a big video this week. Like, well, I got to get something out. Like that's ridiculous. First of all, Mary and I are not in competition. We're friends right. and I am very happy. I don't know if you saw this, but John Mayer like reposted her video because it was a fantastic video. I did. I, I saw the thing and I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't know, Mary, Mary Spender put out a video this week. You should also go watch it. I think it's her. It's my favorite video she's ever done where she took some snippets of what John had posted on TikTok of a new song and she finished the song based off of what she thought it would be. And it's amazing. And John Mayer reposted it on his Instagram. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, I could, could you imagine? I mean, that's just like, <laughs> you know, it's one of those moments that everyone who is in this community or in any community, you're waiting for that recognition and that, that little the thing that, that, that helps you get to that next like part of your career. And, and sometimes something is seemingly innocuous as that yeah. can really be the tipping point. I mean, like Milkman Amps, He's making, he was making ants for years. And then John Mayer took a selfie in front of a milkman and he was like yep. backed up like years. You know, it's, it's crazy, like crazy, man. It's so. crazy. And, and that goes to the thing too, of like, you never know what's going to work, which right, is part exactly. of the inspiring thing of this. And it's also part of the infuriating thing about this. Yeah. Like, you never know. You, my biggest video that I talked about that five things video that video was a total afterthought. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was like, oh, I should start thinking about a new video to make this week. Oh, this is a cool idea. Five things I wish I knew. I made the video in two hours. I threw it together. I put it up on YouTube and it just, it had legs. It it did it did things. That one video has brought in almost 50,000 subscribers to my channel. Right. And since then, I've tried and tried to replicate that. I'm like, oh, I struck gold. I got to follow this vein. And it just... I haven't been able to, you know, yeah, I mean, so many things come out of just an apropos of nothing. It's just like, yeah. Oh, well let's try that. And then, and so that's, yeah. you have to keep that mindset at the front of you. Like, all right, this is going to be a fun video. I think I'm going to try and make this, or I want to make this video. I think this will be fun to make. Let's just do it. And you kind of have to hold it, hold it loosely. Like 
and this is again a lesson that I have to remind myself of on a weekly basis. Like, cause it always sucks, man. When you put a video out and it's, you see that graph and it's like, Oh, nine of the last 10 videos or 10 of the last 10 videos. And YouTube shows you this little animation of a paper plane. I don't know if anybody's seen this, but like when you have a video that's flopping, there's a, an animation of a paper plane. That's just like, it's like, well, 53% people are choosing this video 53% less. It seems that you, your audience is less interested. It's like, thank you, Google. I couldn't have deduced that on my own. I needed you to tell me that my video that my, that people are not interested in my video. Thank you for that. I feel great about myself now. (laughs) Google is, is such a, I really wish they would get rid of that. It's honestly, and I've talked about this with, with people before too. This is such a niche problem that affects nobody who's listening to this and I'm sorry, but it's, I want to talk about it. That is such a stupid thing. There's no use for YouTube to do that. And mm-hmm. it does affect, like it affects my mental health sometimes when I have, especially right. if you have two or three videos in a row that do that and you see that and Google's like, well, seems less people are interested in this. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's why there's less views on it. I don't need you to tell me that, you know? I- I think that that that's the perfect segue into another big big thing, and it, it might be something that stops people from actually trying to to do something online, not necessarily with just YouTube, but but anything. But like the pressure and and the stress and the weight of dealing with not not only like little things like that, but crappy people on the internet. Oh yeah, and that that is something we've touched on it a little bit, but you know, for me. It was a. It was really hard for me in the beginning. Um, literally, the one of the first premiere guitar videos I made, um, where, where I I was I had a, I was at a booth at Nam. Interviewed me because I knew Jason Shadrick, and uh, you know he was just checking out the pedals and it was cool, you know. But like a lot of the comments were like, you know, there's no reason why these pedals should be that expensive and all this stuff. Like, who is this guy? And it, it really like was a whack at my self-confidence. Yeah. Just out of the gate, you know, first, first NAMM show, first YouTube video. I was so nervous and it just popped my balloon immediately. Yeah. So that is a real thing. Um, the negativity online and there's different types of it. Um, there's actual criticism, right? Which, which I actually take with stride. If so, if I see a comment on a video and it's like an actual criticism of the video or something I did or could have done differently or better, I usually take that as, as something to improve on. Like that's actual, even if it's not constructive criticism, if it's just someone being critical, I can see that and say, you know what? They're probably right. On some level, they're probably right. I needed to do that differently or do that better. Right. You have to, sometimes you have to remove yourself from the thing you make. You have to be objective. If you want to be better and you want to grow and, and get better, you have to be able to take that kind of stuff. And, and your, your friends and your family are probably not going to be the people that do that. It's going to be commenters, (laughs) you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so there's that. Then there's just out and out hate, which is difficult to deal with because there's different layers of that too. There are people that are just morons, right? right? And you can tell from their their comments like oh this person is just a troll or they're they're just trying to make fun or or do whatever the thing you should understand when somebody leaves a comment like that especially if it's like vitriolic and hateful or trying to just rip somebody down 
that person doesn't realize it, but they are opening up and showing everyone who's reading their comment where they are and who they are. Right. right? There's that old adage of like hurt people hurt. Right. And I, I believe that is true to an element. And when you get comments like that, and this is true of anybody, if you're putting yourself out there on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, at some point sooner rather than later, you're going to experience this stuff. People are going to make fun. They're going to try and tear you down. And what you have to understand is the people that are trying to tear you down or be vitriolic and hateful, that's about them. And that's showing you where they are. And if you're the type of person, if you're listening to this and you leave those type of comments on people, on on any kind of stuff, you should understand that that's actually what you're putting out there. You're actually showing people that, oh, I'm not in a good place. And I'm either on some level jealous of this or upset that they did this or whatever. You should also understand that it's way easier to leave a comment on somebody's video than to actually do what they did. It's way easier to sit and say, oh, this video sucks or, oh, your playing sucks or, oh, these pedals suck or whatever it is. It's like, all right, where's your video? Right. If if you think I, I made a video on this topic and my video sucks so bad, cool. Let's, where's yours? Yeah. Like po- post a link. I'd love to watch it, but it yeah. never happens. No, of course not. And, and man, the, the, I think that, I think that has probably caused a lot of people to not try as hard maybe to, to do something that they are interested in doing in this realm and not necessarily just YouTube. Like you said, I mean, you know, just taking photos on Instagram or making videos on TikTok, just do it, just being yourself. Right. And so often people just get shat on for trying to be themselves. And, and, and that's something that, I mean, I was bullied a lot as, as a kid, especially in like middle school when we're all just like, you know, full of hormones and, you know, <laughs> stupidity. Right. right. But it's something you just have to, you, you just got to delete it and move on because I mean, I've, I've had those moments where people have said really shitty things to me or, or, you know, immediately they, they left a comment and they emailed me and then they went on every forum and said something like, and, and, and then what am I to do? You know, do I go defend myself? Right. Luckily, I mean, when you get to the point where, you know, you and I are, where we have a reputation and people who ad- admire us and not to say that, I'm not trying to like toot our own horn, but hopefully we've done our due diligence in creating a community of people that trust us and know what we're really all about. And thank God that some of the people, even on the gear page, when people were shitting on me and some of the mm-hmm. stuff I'd made, were like, hey, you know, Zach's just doing his own thing, you know, yeah. like, ease up. It, it's, it's, you have to let go of those moments, but it, it is so hard. And it is, I mean, Morgan can tell you some of the times where my day has just been gone. Oh yeah, because of like one sentence that someone left on, yep. on something. I've had I've had weeks. Like, all right, let you know what. Here's here's the deal. Let's. I'm gonna go here. I've been debating on whether or not like how much I'm gonna open up here, but I'm gonna be honest because, you know, I, I'm hoping on some level at some point somewhere somebody's gonna watch this or listen to this and it's gonna help someone. Um, I have had weeks where I literally felt like just giving up. I I have come this close on more than one occasion because of a string of comments or something on the gear page or something on guitar circle jerks or some just place on the internet where people were just ripping into me and making fun or calling me a shill or whatever. I've come this close to deleting my whole channel several times. Um, 
and more recently than you might imagine. Like this wasn't early on, like within like this year it's happened to me. Um, and like, it's real, man, you, you're human. And when you see that many people ripping into you or, or the, the big one that bothers me is people making judgments on my character who don't know me. Right. And this is a big problem on the gear page, um, where people who have never met me, they don't know me. They don't know anyone that knows me. They just know my videos will sit and make a judgment on my character and who I am as a person and my motives based off of my videos right? or based off the fact, Oh, well he worked with Mason from vertex. Therefore he's a, you know, he's a criminal just like Mason. He deserves to be in jail. Right. Like, no, <laughs> you don't right. know me. Therefore you don't have, in my opinion, you, you don't have the, uh, the ability to judge who I am or my character. And that really bothers me because my core motivation with what I do online is a, I love making stuff. I love learning stuff and I want to share. I want to have a voice and I want to share and help teach people and help people grow in guitar and in music, because this has been so huge for me. I really believe that music and guitar saved my life literally. Um, and I want to help share that. And it really sucks to want to do that and to put that out on the internet and then have some idiot on the gear page who doesn't do anything, right? Right. They yeah. don't play. They've never toured. They've barely ever gigged. They've never done anything, yet they are an expert right? who sits on these forums. And then, not. and it's not just me. It's you. It's Josh. It's anybody online who's doing stuff can sit and make a judgment call on who they are and their motivations and why they're doing something. Right. That really bothers me. And it's something that I've I've been working with and and talking with other friends about and I've gotten better at dealing with, but it really sucks. So I'll wrap this point up by saying this. A friend of mine recently told me the way they think about it is like, you know, you're a balloon. You're a hot air balloon. And when you first start making stuff, your profile is relatively low. You're just starting to lift off of the ground. But the higher you go, the more things that you do, the more people can see you. All of a sudden, this guy who was on the other side of this tree line can now see what you're doing. And then he may not like what you're doing. But the higher you go, now there's somebody miles away. They can start to see what you're doing and they don't like it. So the higher you go, the higher your profile, the more people can start to see you and what you're doing and the further away they are from what you're doing. And it's just, it gives more people the opportunity to to trash you and, and shit on what you're doing, but you're impacting more people. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hey, Hey man, I, th- I think, <laughs> Hey man, um, it's just one of those things that you have to keep soldiering on and not let those little things get to you because at the end of the day, as painful as they are, as hurtful as they are, the thing that that you're doing and and, and all of us who are trying to be positive in this community and, and connect with people, you know, like I, I'm not building pedals only to make money because it's my job. I'm building right. pedals because I hope it inspires people to to try new things and 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 create new music. You're making videos because you want to share the love of the instruments and hope that it leads someone down a path they may not have taken, or maybe even they pick up a guitar because they, they like what you do. And that is so monumental and so much more impactful and positive and and 
it's it's the greater good of of not just the guitar community, but you know, like you said, this could this would change someone's life in such a positive way by doing something, you know, just for fun for yourself, trying to share your love. And I think that's the thing that we that everybody that that ha- is in in this community has to keep in the forefront is that hey, we're doing this to just to to make people happy. And yeah, I, you know that that's pretty powerful. Music and guitar. Is supposed to be fun. Right. For the overwhelming majority of people that play guitar, it is what they do for fun. It's or called it's play. What, it, yeah. Or it's what they do to release something or to get something out that they need to get out. Right? The gear doesn't matter. No. The, the tools don't matter. What trans... You know, oh... The, this tube screamer isn't the what the tube screamer to have because it doesn't have the right chips in it. Who cares, man? Right. Who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is going and making something and enjoying what you're doing. If you're the type of person that you just you enjoy sitting and tinkering with your pedal board all day every day and and then great. That is guitar for you and that is great. If you are a person who doesn't understand or care about gear at all but you love making music and writing stuff, great that's the point of this stuff and that's what i try and keep in mind when i'm making my videos it's like i want this video somewhere to help somebody and um yeah it's just it's i don't do this to make money i don't do this to to get free gear i don't do this to gain fame and recognition i don't i do it because i like making stuff and I like impacting people and I like the fact that I have a voice that helps people get better at something that they love to do. That's what I like. 100%. You know, and, uh, if, if you don't like that, then I, (laughs) if you have a problem with that, (laughs) you know what? That says a lot more about you than it does me. I'm totally cool with somebody not liking my videos. I get that. Like, yeah, you you may not like, you have to be able to take that, that people, yeah. Will not like it. They may hate it. Yeah, totally. Like, you have to totally. do it. And that's fine. People don't like your pedals. That's fine. But there's uh, people that don't like your pedals and then actively go out of the way to trash you and your company and your pedals. They're in a bad place. Right. Oh, yeah. And if you're yeah. that type of person that does that and you're hearing this, I'm calling you out. And I'm, right. I'm saying that you need to, I think you need to take a look at, the, at, at who you are and, and where you're at with with that kind of stuff because it's not helpful you're not helping anyone in the community you're not helping yourself you're not helping the creator and i know that's not their point that's not what they're trying to do but um i would encourage you to reevaluate things and to try and put some good back into the community and that may mean you start a youtube channel that may mean you do something you know you start a pedal company i don't know what that means but um yeah Oh, we got some questions here. Let's let's yeah, wrap this up. Yeah, well, there's up. a few. Yeah, let's let me scroll back up here. Um, uh, I put some in the private chat. Dan oh, yeah. Sab asked, "What's the sweet spot for video length?" Now that's a question. That's a good question. Okay, this is a good. So, um, there's an important analytic, an important metric to keep track of when it comes to YouTube videos, and that is your watch time and your audience retention. So, on every one of my videos, YouTube keeps track of it's a it's a graph like a line graph of what percentage of your audience is watching how much of the video typically it's between 40 and 60 percent your audience retention rates 40 if if i have a video that's 
40 to 45%, I consider that not a great video. People didn't stick around to watch very much of it. If it's 55% or higher, I believe that's a good retention. And what you want to see on that graph is that line basically going straight across the graph because that means people are clicking on the video and they're watching it most of the way through. You're never right. going to have a video that's like completely straight across. People click on stuff and then they click on other stuff. It's part of it. In terms of video length, um, typically I try and make videos that are on the short end, eight minutes, on the long end, 20 to 25 minutes. I don't really ever go above that because it's really hard to keep people's attention <laughs> longer than realistically like 15 minutes but right yeah i i I think it totally depends on the video too like if you're doing a demo like with with, at carter yeah (laughs) with with the pedal demos or uh, guitar demos rather sorry um two minutes was like yeah i mean if you couldn't keep them if you could keep them for that long you're good but anything you know moving into like five minute range they're gone they're gone yeah and it's not because it's a bad video it's just like i've heard what i need to hear okay done you know And I've developed some things like I can tell if I'm editing a video and I'm watching it back and I zone out while I'm watching it back, I'll catch myself and be like, oh, all right, something needs to change there. I need to tighten that section up or I need to cut in like a playing segment or maybe cut some B-roll in or change the format of the video because if I'm zoning out (laughs) in my own video, that's not good. And so I'll I'll try and tighten things up there. So that's when you have to throw in an, uh, an ad from Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> it's not. Please don't buy that, that game. It's stupid. Um, Sugartooth, thoughts on turning into a media company like Lioness Tech Tips or MKBHD versus keeping things small. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, honestly, I would like to start some kind of media company conglomerate yeah i want to become the next uh i almost said cnn but i don't want to do <laughs> no, that. No, um, no 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 what's a good example anyway yeah so i would like to start something the thing youtube has, has taught me is i really love making visual content and i love storytelling and a narrative and so i'd love to start making documentaries one day Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to have some kind of company that is like a conglomerate of different creators and we're making just different media. There's podcasts, there's YouTube channels, there's instructional courses, there's documentaries, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, in fact, we started an LLC last year kind of with this thing in mind. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but yeah, I, I would I, I, like to get something going like that. I'm going to have to start LLC for doing the like paying people, you know, I mean, yeah. I could, I don't have to, but, um, I was, I'm racking my brain about what to call it because I don't want to call it mythos pedals LLC because that's like, that's such a narrow window. Right. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what's the, the right name. We, is what, there any, I might make amps. You, I might make pickups. Who knows? Yeah. I was going to say, I could put mine out there. Is there any downside to putting the name of your LLC out there in the public? Or does it matter? I don't guess it matters. I don't right? think it matters. No. We we called um mine Plan A Media. No, Just, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Sounds like an LLC. Yeah, name Plan Plan A Media. That's that's what we are, and we did that plan with a, the intent. Plan A Media. Plan A Media. Plan A Media. Planet Media. Planet Planet Media. <laughs> Planet Media. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the idea being that like I would I would like to develop that some someday. I would like to, you know, continue to grow my YouTube channel. But I also realized that in ten years. 
I probably won't be doing what I'm doing now. YouTube may not even be a thing in five years. I don't know. But I know that I like doing what I'm doing, which is creating content, creating stories, highlighting people, teaching people, having fun making stuff, sharing, you know, documentary type stuff. And I'd like to do that on a high level. I would love to make a documentary series that gets picked up by Netflix. That's something I really want to do. Um, So and that's why going back to the beginning of the podcast, the the studio thing is really important for what I want to do. I need to have a space that we can use to launch this whole kind of thing off sure. of. Well, I asked for last minute questions in the chat. Nobody hit up anything significant. <laughs> Red Corp. <laughs> Red, Red Corp. <laughs> uh, you, you make like the competitor RoboCop or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I guess, I don't know. Is this a, is this a good yeah, point you to do, do our shill? Yeah. Are we going to shill, shill of the week here? I'm, I'm just going to shill my, my two rock Bloomfield drive again. Come on. Because you can't really see, I'll, I'll post a picture because it's like it's the beautiful. the silvery Tolex with the blue piping. Yeah, and and I, I didn't even know. I just got a picture of the chassis, and and uh, Eli was like, "What's your shipping address?" And I said, oh, "It's this." So I didn't even know what kind of he said. He asked if I wanted a head or a combo. Right. And I didn't even know what Tolex I was getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it showed up in that, and I was like, "That's that's the one I wanted." So it was yeah. either that or go like suede and all that, but. You know, I could call them and say, "Hey, I need a head case and and a cab." And I, if I do that, I'll, I'm going to get one of the suede with the Vox grill cloth. But nice. I will make a video uh, with this. It, the speaker cable isn't long enough uh, to pull up to the aux, so I, I made a longer one that I'm going to solder in, and then I can aux it up. Just mic it up, man. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. The hell, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of waking up my child when he's asleep hey, because be I just want to like, I, I, hey, oh man, don't you worry about that. Sleeping child is don't worth you worry way about more that. than <laughs> Yeah, I do, man. I love the two rock stuff. I'd love to have, um, I'd love to have a two rock one day. They're, yeah. they're, they're all so different, but they're all uh, the burn side. I've, I've probably spent the least amount of time with, but it's, it's still cool. They have one at the Novo shop, but the TS one in the Bloomfield, I think you, I think, I think you would dig the Bloomfield probably the most. Yeah. So yeah, I love Joey Landreth's sound, and he's a Bloomfield guy, right? Yeah. yeah. And he he was one of the biggest reasons why I went this way. And you know, I asked Eli like, "This is what I like. What do you think?" And he said, "Bloomfield." So. God, Joey's such an influencer. My God. <laughs> he is. What he an is. influencer! We and need to have he, him on the show. I yeah I, I um he's he's you know staying home. They had they had their baby um uh few weeks ago now and uh so he's joey joey the dad for the time being but joey uh, the dad they're 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 going to be getting back in the studio in a in a couple months probably to uh tackle that third bros record so when that's happening we should we should get him joey the dad sounds like the best worst athens band ever (laughs) i had a good one too almost alice i like that one yeah What's up? We're almost Alice. They're like a bad uh, hardcore band. <laughs> Joey, the dad, you could have one of those little, those little, uh, those little things you hang on your chest to put a baby in, but you just have your pedal board in there. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> then you're like playing, you're like hitting your, your, Joey, the dad would open for almost Alice on warp tour. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Warp tour. Did you ever go to Warp tour? No, I never. Was I did. That's a. I, I was, oh, dude. Man. I, I, 
maybe reincarnation is a thing. I'm not a religious man. I'm not a, a spiritual man, but maybe maybe re- reincarnation is a thing because I really believe I, I, I must have been born in a previous life. I think I was born in 1935 and I must have died in like 19. Oh, no. Battery yeah. exhausted. No. <laughs> no. All right. What? Anyways, I think my battery's dead. I can do my shill of the week and we'll just put a picture of it in place okay. of me. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, so mine this week is going to be the brown imps protein. Oh, yes. Now, I got this. They gave this to me. Um, they gave me that and the the T4 on the way from Kansas City. I actually didn't know they were from Kansas City, but uh, mm-hmm. they they passed those two along to me. Both of them I used in my, uh, my 10 solos video. So if you want to hear them, go check out that video. The first solo was the T4, which is like their fuzz face. Um, I did the time solo. And then the the other stuff I was using the protein to hit the front of the Wonderland overdrive. So it's a dual stage overdrive, a, you know, double, you know, two. When I one. say yeah, it's a two and one. Um, one side, the right side is the Nobles ODR one, correct? Yes. Well, right? I mean, I don't know what side it is. I just know what's in. One it. side is a Nobles ODR one, and the other side is a Blues Breaker. Yeah. And it's almost like they made that pedal for me. Now I know it's, it is a signature pedal, um, for, Oh God, what's the guy's name? Is it? Uh, yeah. Now I'm spacing on his name. My God. I'm so sorry to, oh, I'll look it up. Um, but yeah, it's a signature pedal and I'm a little jealous because I feel like after playing it, that would be my signature overdrive. <laughs> like I would change nothing about the protein. Uh, and I would put that out. As a, as a signature, all? nothing at all. Genuinely, I would change nothing about the protein, and I would put it out as a signature pedal. Um, it does, it does the thing. Drink. Um, it's a collaboration between David Brown and guitarist producer Adam Snigowski. Yeah, Snigowski. That's Snigowski. it. Snigowski. Yeah, Adam. Sorry, Adam. I, I'm so sorry. It's based on your your name, but uh, it's great, man. It's really great. Go check them out. It's um. It's just two great overdrive pedals in one box. ODR1 and the Blues Breaker. It looks great. I really love the the look and the branding of it. It, yeah, it looks like a you know, very military look. Do you have the the green one? Yeah. Yeah, it looks like like something you'd find in an ammo can or something. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And they stack really, really well together. Yeah. Um, I, I like to set the ODR1 up for kind of the more mid-range, the more mid-gain setting uh-huh. and then the uh the blues breaker side is more the light gain boost setting stack them together it's tasty it tastes good i keep going back to the stream yard things thinking you're there but you're not i'm not there oh, well. <laughs> yes there you go everyone we got real this was kind of a therapy session this week yeah it was it was and, and and we'll definitely I'll try to my, my best to start doing like the timestamps and the chapters and stuff so we can you know people can skip to skip to the the meat of the episode and stuff. Yeah. So, so quit complaining. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. Just like <laughs> you know, if you've watched that far and you're on the YouTube, just type it. You know, it's it's four numbers and a and a colon. Listen, if you want to be a hero for this community, you you step up and you listen to this whole episode and you post the timestamps and we'll pin your comment. That's right. This and subscribe this is, and ring that bell. Come on. Ring that <laughs> smash that like button YouTube. Smash it. 
God, why do people say smack? Don't. That's so stupid. So somebody said it once, and then it lit a fuse on on that whole phrase. It's Smashing just it. so dumb. Don't say smash that like button. It sounds dumb. I, I, uh, I hope more. I hope Morgan's not listening. She probably is. <laughs> uh, I'll hear her in the in the house sometimes when she's trying to use a computer, and like if it's not working right, I hear her clicking the the mouse pad <laughs> on the MacBook like harder than it should be, and I'm like, she's she's smashing that button. <laughs> Like his pressure sensitive. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, it's not working. It's frozen. I know. Because I, I totally do that. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm see, not I, I try not to. I do on the the mouse a little bit. I kind of smack the hell out of it. But anyway, <laughs> episode thirty one. Thanks for watching, everybody. All right. See y'all. Bye.